Welcome to an exegetical study of biblical scripture. This scripture is God's speech, God's story, written through the hands of men by his spirit, and it's all about God's glory. My name is Bryce Ferguson. Join me now as we go into the word. This is Genesis. Welcome, brothers and sisters, here on the Lord's Day Sunday to worship Almighty God. Let's open with prayer. Dear Lord of heaven and earth, Almighty God, Father God, wonderful God, please open your word to us today. Holy Spirit, that you might move and fill and change us to be more like. God, that we might surrender our presuppositions, that we might surrender our opinions, that we might surrender our preferences to your truths, to who you are, to your kingdom, to your word. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. So folks, for the last two weeks, we've been looking at the beginning of Genesis 1, the very beginning, literally the beginning of verses 1 and 2, when in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was dark. And then God said in verse 3, let there be light, and there was light. We see that distinction from darkness to light. And then God made water. God made the air and the atmosphere. God made land and called it earth. God made vegetation and plants, fruit trees, all according to their kind. God made lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Again, creating a distinction. Specifically, God made the sun and the moon and the stars. God made the living creatures who live in the water beneath us, the living creatures who live in the sky above us, and commanded both to be fruitful, to multiply on the earth. Then he made the living creatures to live on the land. Domesticated animals, that we know commonly in the human world and the wild animals who live in the wild and the smaller creatures, the creeping creatures, all according to their kinds. And from all this provision, from all this filling of the earth, from all this preparation for earth to be a dwelling place, we see the mighty acts of God's love and creation. And now, let's open our Bible to the reading of God's word. Genesis 1, verse 26 and following. 
then. After all of this, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. What? He just said us. An hour. Not me, am I. What does that mean? God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So in verse 26, we just read a plurality, a plural descriptor. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. In verse 27, now God says singular. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. I want to pause real quick and say, the word bless, blessed, blessing, I think has got perhaps convoluted in the social media world. So if you are a person who is on social media, let me clarify something here. Because bless, blessed, and blessing are very tender and very real and very powerful descriptors of God's love to God's people. So if you live in the confusion of social media with hashtag blessed and people and materialism and all sorts of what seems and appears to be reasons of fame or of wealth or materialism or commercialism, and you get confused about what the word blessing means. Let me pull it back for you to the scripture. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, you'll recognize this language, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So let's go back and look at this. At verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. As we talked about before, God was in the beginning, and God was the creator. Now, in this, we know we have God the Father, the creator, and we have God the Son, 
the God, the creator. And we also know God's spirit was there, hovering over the face of the waters. So let us make man in our image after our likeness. In our image after our likeness, there's this plural descriptor, this multiple descriptor here. This is Trinitarian language. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And for those perhaps new to the Christian faith or those seekers listening, the Trinity is how we describe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit as God, you've also heard it said, three persons in one. So Trinity and all of one mind, one purpose, one God. It's a little foreign for man's mind to fully comprehend this, but this Trinitarian God is who we worship. This Trinitarian God is the God of the Bible. This God, God alone, the Lord alone is God. This is the Trinity, the Trinitarian God. In the image and likeness of God, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. What does this mean? This means that God created humanity. God created mankind, male and female, to be representative, to be representatives of God on earth. To have similarities of God's mind, to have similarities of God's heart, to have similarities in the way that we process and we, and we think and we move and how we breathe, to have rhythms of life. This is made in the image and the likeness of God. If we are not imaging God of the Bible, if we are not in likeness to God of the Bible, then we are not living and we are not embodying and we are not supporting and employing how God created us to be. There are people who follow God on earth and there are people who do not follow God on earth. And those who do not follow God on earth have no regard for how they are already gifted in many ways in the image and the likeness of God because humanity is made in the image and the likeness of God. However, there is a huge distinction between those who follow God and those who do not follow God. Because those who follow God pursue to be in the image and the likeness of God. Because those who follow God worship God. That's a huge distinction right there. And it wasn't automatic that humanity just had life or that humans have always been. They haven't been until God created them. It didn't have to be. It wasn't historical status quo. The humanity was going to live and there was nothing anyone could say about it because humans are so special that we always had to be. So there's this continuity of confusion, I'll call it. This idea that, that we evolved from monkeys and apes. 
That is 100% lie. That is 100% false. We see the creation from the creator God to man right here. This is where it's at. How did mankind begin? It began in Genesis 1, verse 26. God said, let us make a man in our image after our likeness. Let me tell you something. Monkeys are not made in the image of God. Apes are not made in the image and the likeness of God. And no animal and no other creature is eternal. Humans are eternal. And we'll get to that. The humans specifically and alone, exclusively, are made in the image and the likeness of the Trinitarian God of the Bible. So how did this come about? Because God created it. And why did God create humanity? God chose to create humanity because he wanted to. There was a choosing from God in this. God didn't have to. God didn't need to. God chose to. Isn't it nice to be chosen? When you're a little kid and there's playground games at the school or daycare or even at your, at your home among the neighborhood kids in your neighborhood and your kids are playing with other kids or maybe you are a kid and you can relate to this very well and there's choosing of teams before you play a game. Don't you want to be chosen by one of the captains first? Nobody wants to be chosen last because that's not really a choice, is it? The first captain picks this person. The second captain picks their first person or the second person in the order. But for that captain, the first person on their team. And then it goes back and forth. And by the time you get to only one person remaining, that's the last person standing. Okay, then you come on this team or you go on that team. That's not what we're talking about here. God chose. That feeling that you get when you're the first person chosen? Yeah, magnify that times something so great you can't even comprehend, and this is God's choosing to mankind. This is infinite God who can create or does not have to create who does whatever he pleases at any time, outside of time, by the way, because he doesn't live in time. He created time. He rules all known creation in every universe, outside of this universe, into the far reaches of space and everything that is known. Why? Because God created it all. And none of it existed before he created it. This is who we're talking about. This is who chose to have his image and his likeness in humanity. He chose humanity. Think about that for a second. For those who wonder if God loves them, 
This is a very powerful expression of love from Almighty Creator God. And not only that, God says, let them have dominion over these different aspects, but encompassing essentially all the creatures and the maintenance thereof over all the earth. So what does this mean? Are we just tasked and it's a free-for-all? No, no, no. God invites us into his kingdom, okay? Before he designated mankind with this task, with this responsibility, with this title, God was fully in control. God was subduing and God was having dominion. But God invites us now, those who are made in the image and the likeness of God, invites us into this part of his kingdom because his kingdom encompasses everything. And he appoints mankind to have dominion over all the earth. God is the one who has dominion over his creation. And now he invites us he lifts us up. He supports us. He enables us to participate and have dominion over the earth. In that, we are to be both subordinate to God and, I don't know, what is that? Ordinate on the other side? We are to steward. We are to care for. We are to nourish. We are to use and manage well. Or we cannot rule if we try to do it outside of God's authority. See, we, we must, must, that's a requirement, must have consideration for God in all regards to this having dominion over all the earth. It's got to be first and foremost in our minds and in our hearts and in our manner of care onto the earth. You can open up any news website, you can turn on any news broadcast, and you can be a witness to those who try to rule or those who do rule or manage outside of God's authority. It's inherently broken. It's inherently bad. And in fact, it is evil. Because those who do not have the values of God, those who do not have the values of God's word to mankind, God's value, God's instruction, God's commandments in the Bible are automatically working opposed to God. So what are you going to have? You're going to have dissension. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have division. We saw that at the Tower of Babel or Babel. Mankind had no regard for God. Mankind was trying to build a castle for themselves to achieve their own glory on the earth. And God stepped in and he said, no, I'm in control and you're not ruling well. So God created man in his own image, male and female. He created them. Man, the male represents God. In the male form, in the male mind, in the male hearts, 
and the male expression, the masculine expression represents God. Now, I'm not saying for those who have known men who have not acted in a godly way, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the way that God created man specifically or male, males, he did so to represent God. And when God created woman, and we'll get to that more here shortly, but woman or female or females, he did so to represent God. Male and female are made first for God's glory, and they are created to be united in marriage of specifically one man and one woman only. That's it. And we'll get to that. But I want to draw that specific boundary here at the onset. There are very specific reasons that it's one male and one female, and they come together and they become one flesh, is the biblical language here. That is because biologically, that's how it works. And two, complementarian-wise, that's why it works. And three, and most of all, and this should really be one, it's because God commanded this only. See, God defines marriage. It's not this joker defines marriage, that joker defines marriage, this religion defines marriage, that religion defines marriage, this government defines marriage, that government defines marriage. No. God set it out. And you either obey God, and you obey God's commandments, or you don't. And we see a lot of confusion in our culture, and there has always been in the history of the world. And God blessed them. Verse 28. Let's back up. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let me double back. So I said that in verse 26, this is the Trinitarian language of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You have us, you have our, you have our. There is this plural descriptor of God. But Trinitarian God is three in one. It is one God that we worship. That is the first commandment. One God. You shall have no other gods besides me. That is a singular descriptor of the Trinitarian God. And that is what we see in verse 27, a singular descriptor of the Trinitarian God. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. We also see a masculine descriptor for God. Notice I did not say God is a human man. We do not see that representation until we see Jesus Christ come to earth in the flesh as a man to live as God, to die on a cross and to be resurrected back to the throne room of God. But we do see throughout scripture a masculine description of God in his title, in his name. 
in the way he is spoken of. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. And this is good. In verse 28, God blessed them. Male and female, God blessed them. So let's talk about blessing. As God spoke creation into existence, God said to the male and the female, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God made humans of two types or what we call sexes. I just articulated it, but let me, let me draw it in a little bit. The male, a male genitalia, a male body, if you will, biologically, a male chromosomes of masculinity, of male traits, and male ways. The other type or the other sex is female. The female is a female genitalia, or to say she has a female biological body of female chromosomes of femininity. This is a much different descriptor, the masculinity and the femininity. Now, we're not so much talking about what you can see in appearance or the physical body, but we're talking about what is inherent inside. See, when you are made, when you are created as a baby, born as a baby, and you're created in your mother's womb to be male or to be female, that is very intentional. And there's something about the heart of God. There's something about the image and the likeness of God that is placed inside of you to God's glory. This seems to be a radical point of antagonism in our culture toward Almighty God. But there are only two sexes, or two types, if you will, to classify it that way. And that is male and that is female. When God creates a male, God has ordained him to be a male and act as a male and live as a male in submission to God's authority, and in worship to God's glory. And the same is true of those born female. When God creates a female, God has ordained her to be a female and act as a female and live as a female in submission to God's authority and in worship to God's glory. And this agenda in our culture, in our society, is not new, but it is now prevalent. That you can adopt anything besides what I just said, besides what we just read in Genesis 1, should you choose to do so. And see, the largest problem there is twofold. And it's probably one and the same. It is a rejection of God's authority. It is a rejection of your identity and the way that you were created. And it's also complete 
without an outright selfishness. Anyone who comes to you and says, you can decide your own, basically whatever, folks. I mean, work and education, that's a little bit different story. But if they come to you and they say, you get to decide your identity. You get to decide, you know, there, there's no one greater than you. You define your own reality. You define your own truth. You define your own views on God, whether there is a God or there's not a God, or you define your purpose for life on earth. That is extremely dangerous. And God warns over and over and over and over again throughout scripture, throughout time, how dangerous that is. Because that is absolutely opposed to God, to his glory, and to his kingdom. And we as Christians need to have eyes wide open to our culture so that we can preach the gospel in every season but especially in this one, and draw that distinction and give God the glory and don't get muddied in the waters. Also, what do we see here? This scripture in Genesis 1 amplifies, propels, promotes, acclaims God's value on human life. He prepares creation in perfect order, placing everything in both its sequence, its category, and its place, and with peace. Again, this was before the fall. We're in Genesis 1. This was before the fall. This is the order of creation as it was ordained, as it was made by God. This was great. It was good. It was very good with humanity. And then he creates the humans. So everything had its place. The earth was made as a dwelling. And then God creates mankind. Not only does God strongly value human life, but each human life is precious for so many reasons. And there's also a very strong movement in our culture and has been for a long time in America against the value of human life. As curious as that is to people with their eyes wide open, to people whom God has chosen, this is as clear as day. But there is an agenda being pushed by the evil one, getting into the minds and the hearts of millions and millions and tens of millions of people at the least in our country who do not value the sanctity of human life, who do not value the life of the unborn, who do not value a lot of life of those who are already born or are adults or, are, or who are in our older generation. But God says, every human life, every human life is precious. What do we see here? How do I draw this? 
first were made in the image of God. Right there. Right there. We're not talking about an animal. We're not talking about a plant in the forest. We're talking about a creation made specifically in the image and the likeness of God. So with this, we are then made to glorify God. As I mentioned last week, everything God created in Genesis 1 is made to glorify God. That is its primary purpose. So we are highly valued by God. Separate from the earth as a planet, this is separate from the sun and the moon, from the air, the vegetation, from the animals. God highly values human life because we're made in the image of God. When humans are created, every human is created, even present day. We're not simply created to go live our own lives. As as if there was a big lie pervasive on the planet that you were to just go and live and be your own God. No. God created humans to be then in the image and likeness of God and to live in the image and the likeness of God. And for our life on earth... God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Dear brother, dear sister, you have a very important job to do on this earth. Do not be fooled. Don't believe the lie that it does not matter what you do and how you live your life. Don't be fooled that each person is really in charge of their own life so you can chase anything you want to chase after in life. God has made you for this. God has made you for a very specific reason and purpose. What does it mean to be fruitful? I think about Jesus and the multiple mentions of the parable of the fig tree. You can read about this more in Mark 11, 12 through 14. And Luke 6, 43 through 45. But being fruitful means to produce fruit. What does that mean? Let's pick it up here in Luke 6. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus is saying what's inside a person. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Matthew. 
God is saying it's going to overflow out of your life, whatever it is inside, what you value in your heart, what you value in your mind, what you're building your legacy on earth about. Each person, okay. In the simple fact of biology, each person is their own person. And each person on earth who is born on earth is born on earth. And each person who gets to live a set number of days gets to live a set number of days. Bryce, why are you explaining redundancy? Because it's true. You're your own person. I'm my own person. But I only live at the glory of God. Should God choose to end my life today, he can do it at any time because he's fully in control of life on earth because he's fully in control of everything that happens on earth. Yes, God has brought us humanity into his kingdom and opened this earth to us so that we would glorify him with this. So that we would glorify him with our lives. So that we would surrender our lives and our desires and our sinful, fallen distracted ways to God's glory so that we would believe him and trust him when he says, it's all about my glory. I chose you so that you could be with me, so that you could be enjoined with me in my kingdom and be about my purposes, and be about my story, about my glory to all of creation. This is what I'm doing. Come and be with me. What does it mean to be fruitful? It means to glorify God, to submit our desires to God's, to obey God's commandments. And we'll get to that more too. It means to be a faithful steward, to produce that which you were created to produce, that which you were created for. What does it mean to multiply and fill the earth? Obviously, it means procreation. It means to be married in a marriage of one man and one woman to come together and in biblical language, be one flesh of one mind, to submit, see here it is again, to surrender your personal desires for purpose of glorifying God in submitting yourself largely in marriage to each other. But firstly, you submit yourself in marriage to God. And then you submit yourself to the other in consideration, in the benefit thereof, in encouraging the other person, in bringing them to Jesus, in praying for them, that they would become more like God, that they would not be distracted by the things of this world, but that they would be like God, that they would seek to image God and be in the likeness of God and live in the image and the likeness of God to bring God glory. This is why we have marriage. to multiply and fill the earth, to fill it, to fill it with faith, to fill it with scripture, to fill it in love for our fellow man, in love for our neighbor, 
in love for each other in the church, in love for people outside of the church, to be peacemakers who sow in peace that we might raise a harvest of righteousness among men and to fill the earth with truth. Jesus says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man may come to the Father except through me. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the truth. When we fill the earth, what are we filling the earth with? We are to fill the earth, and that's not just the spread of humanity and having more children and sending them out into the distant reaches of the earth. And mankind has done really good at that over thousands of years of man's story. And we inhabit, well, there are very barren parts of land on the earth. Most people don't want to live in those areas because it's very harsh and difficult to live. So there is more land, but we have done a very good job in numbers filling the earth. But I think it's even more than that. I think our charge is to fill the earth with the glory of God and the worship of God and the scripture of God and faith in God. And in doing this, we're past Adam and Eve now, the first humans, who are to continue the legacy of the people made in the image and the likeness of God. The faith of Abraham, the faith of Adam, the faith of Moses, all these pivotal Christians among us. And there's only so many named in the scripture, but the legacy of faith has been, to, has been handed down from generation to generation to generation to generation ad infinitum. And when we carry the gospel forth, we're continuing the legacy of faith of our family for generations all the way back to the beginning. We're carrying forth the legacy of God. God's charge for man is to subdue the earth, to have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. What does that mean? As I've said, God's glory is being testified to in all creation. And by that, I do not limit it to our planet. God is writing a story of his glory in all the universe outside ours. His glory is testified to among the angels. And even the dark forces see the testimony of God's glory, though they do not believe in God. They do not submit to God. They do not worship God. But God is writing this story of his glory. It's about his glory. God is in control and he is being glorified and he will be glorified in the spiritual realm. And that does not have a limitation of time or space. God's charge to us as humans on earth is to testify to God's glory here. To subdue, okay, the wild aspects of the earth where needed and necessary, and at times that is true. 
but also to subdue the mentality of rebellion against God where it exists. I'm not, I'm not talking about a physical altercation or anything like that. No, we're not, we're not talking about that. I know when someone thinks of subduing the wild, they think of taming beasts in the wild. Well, okay, if you're backed into a corner on the frontier or out in the forest and you encounter something like that, yeah, I guess you, be- you better be ready to do or able to do as much as you can to neutralize an animal threat. But there's a pervasive problem on the earth. I touched on this, but the mankind is striving after well, selfishness and anything, wealth, fame, sex, power, anything that distracts you from believing in and following after and affixing your whole heart to Almighty God. Yeah, I think of horse breakers. There's probably another term for them, but I remember when I was a kid, they, they work diligently, methodically, relentlessly to tame what is a wild horse. And as they tame that, so too we must affix our heart to Almighty God and subdue the wild nature of mankind, which always pushes us away from God. The culture, the world, our society is trying to do life apart from God. There's there's this force, this dark force put forth by the evil one. This deception, because he's a deceiver that clouds the mind and clouds the heart. And it draws down the fire of faith. We're to subdue that by prayer, by preaching the gospel, by loving other people. And yes, we're to have dominion. What does this mean in the order of creation? Dominion, okay, that God set us at the top of the food chain? Yeah, but it's more than that. How do you think of God when you think of him? Or if you were to ask me, I would say that God has full rule and dominion over all things. There's nothing outside of his power. There's nothing outside his control when he would choose to control it at any time which he would choose to do so. God has ultimate control and ultimate dominion. Well, in that order... In the order of creation, when he made man after his likeness, male and female, he created them. He also did so that they would have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God has delegated to man responsibilities and limited authorities, which one, he did not give to any other part of creation before mankind. And two, He did because man was made in the image and the likeness of God. And three, well, for other very specific reasons. Let us not read, folks, verse 28. 
without reading it affixed to and close and right alongside verse 27. Let's go back. Let's read that. I'm going to start with 27. Now let's start with 28. And I just changed my mind. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now let's go back to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We are to have dominion in that so that we image God in that. How do we be fruitful and multiply? To the glory of God. Two, not without, not, not without thought, not without consideration, not without conversation with God, but with it. How do we subdue the earth? to the glory of God, with thought of God, with consideration, with conversing with God. How do we have dominion over all living creatures on the earth? With, it's with, it's to. This charge is to do all this, to do all things to the glory of God. It's simple, isn't it? It's simple, no. It's not simple. It's straightforward but we do so when we surrender our desires. We surrender that which the culture is pushing so hard for all people to accept the lie. But instead, we submit our natural tendencies to drift. And we say, no, God, you define who I am. You give me my identity. I am a man created by God to be a man and to live as a man. And it's good to be in the image and after the likeness of God. We talked about the tree last week. How does the tree grow? How does it live? The tree starts in its growth as a tree, and it was watered by rain and fed by sun. For folks who maybe haven't heard last week's episode, let me just articulate real quick. Sometimes, folks, I look at a tree, and I see a tree. I just think about how, it, how it's doing what, it, what it's doing. It's growing, right? It's not really moving unless there's wind. You can't really visibly see in the moment a tree growing and living, you see a tree standing. It's there. What is it doing? It's a tree. God created it to be a tree because God created trees and plants and vegetation. We read all that in Genesis 1. God created the tree. Okay, here we go. So the tree started in its growth as a tree and was watered by rain and fed by sunlight and nurtured by soil. Or I should say, Rarely, a tree does not appear to have soil because it's growing out of a rock, like a boulder, but it grows as a tree. It functions as a tree. It weathers through seasons of difficult blizzards and, and snowstorms and ice and heavy rains or 
really, really hot days, whatever season it goes through, it does so as a tree. And it continues as a tree. It grows leaves and it sheds leaves. If it's a leaf-bearing tree, like a deciduous tree, it grows pine cones and it sheds pine cones and needles if it's an evergreen tree. And it grows as a tree and it lives as a tree to the glory of God. You see, the tree was designated by the creator God to be what it is. It's not eternal. It's not made in the image and the likeness of God like humanity. So let us look at it for simply what it is, but it is a tree that does what it was created to do. It lives to the glory of God because God created it to be a tree, to grow as a tree, to live as a tree, to look as a tree, to act as a tree, if you will, to submit itself to God's authority, if you will, in that way, though I haven't seen any tree that can transform itself into something else. But for reason of the example, to submit itself to God's authority, to live to the glory of God. And how does the animal grow? How does the animal live? So let me ask you, how is man and how is woman, humans, who are distinctly the creation made in the image and the likeness of God to live? In submission to God's authority, in the identity of God's designated identity, to glorify God and to steward the earth, the land, the water, mountains, the living creatures in a way that glorifies God. Let's look at one last aspect here. Verse 31. We've seen God affirm the days of his creation multiple times as good. And here, at the end of day six in creation, God looks on everything that he has made. And what does he say? Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning sixth day. There is a mark. There is an attribution. There is a proclamation. There is a declaration of God about his creation. And we see good, and we see good, and we see good. We see God do something he has not done yet. In verse 26, God made man. In the image and the likeness of God. And now things are very good. This is an incredible, loving God. Oh, that we would know the love of God. Let's pray. Holy God, wonderful God, Father God, 
God the Son, God the Spirit. You are the God who creates all things. You are the God who is worthy of our worship and our praise. You chose us, God. We would not have been had you not chose us. We would not be who we are. We would not have the minds that we do. We would not have the hearts that we do. We would not have the emotions. We would not have the expressions. We would not have the processes. We would not have the functionality that we do if you had not made us and made us specifically in your image and in your likeness. And you made us to glorify you. You made all of humanity to glorify you. And this is the purpose of life on earth. This is the mission and the reason that we are here. For however long that is, the purpose of mankind is to glorify God. So God, by your power and your Holy Spirit, help us to do all this to your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Amen. Join me next time as we continue in God's story of creation in Genesis 2.